you think about the accountability that we place on students, we instruct them, we monitor, we follow it up with quizzes, and teachers need the same accountability that we really have for students. It's not unreasonable to expect teachers to know that the work that they're doing is effective. And the way to measure how effective their instruction and the way that they communicate and the culture that they create in the classroom has to be measured and uh, teachers need to be observed. That mindset needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. But it, it needs to come from within and it needs to come from administrators who are going to be involved in the process in the classrooms instead of involved with whatever the front office stuff is. Mm -hmm. And administrators aren't involved in the classrooms. On today's episode of Classroom Matters, I get to sit down and talk with Becky Jennings, who is a professional development expert that has worked in the field for over 20 years in everything from industry sales, sales training, professional development. She's played a major role in developing a K-12 curriculum on threatened and endangered species for the St. Louis Zoo. And you've also trained hundreds of educators in the education setting. Would you say that's true, Becky? I'd say thousands. Thousands. <laughs> thousands. Yeah. After, after 20 years and uh, through extensive travel, I'd say it's maybe thousands, yes. So as we were chatting before we, we sat down to really have this conversation, we were sort of touching on the accountability factor. We were talking about teachers liking to do their own things and really the administrator being really should be the lead learner and inspecting more of what they expect instead of just taking care of tasks in the front office. Do you think that administrators are trained to do that or it's just they're also in the teacher mindset as well? I, I don't think administrators are, are trained to do that. Um, and I think that, that uh, education as a whole is sort of resistant to that idea of, of um, administrators being involved in the classroom. But, but professional development um, is about learning and changing. And, but change doesn't happen without a leader. And administrators, it would really benefit everyone um, uh, to be, in, be a, a leader changer um, and to have a mission and have that mission and, and goal and sense of accomplishment and clear goals. And that has to be filtered down to the classroom. Everyone in a building needs to be involved in that process. Mm -hmm. What do you think some of the major pitfalls are talking about professional development? Because we do a lot of it with educators. We do a lot of it. What are, what are some of the main pitfalls, the common mistakes that we as educators make? It, it, I'm, as someone involved in, in professional development, um, and education is rather trendy. Professional development is now trending into professional learning. Um, and the difference between the two is profound and, and goes back to really what we're talking about. You know, professional development has typically been 
experts or experts come into a building and it's sort of a one-size-fits-all and we're here for a brain dump and it's sort of that set-and-get sort of training. Um, there is a trend and it's a good trend. Um, there are a lot of trends in education. Some are good, some are bad. Mm -hmm. But I like this trend towards professional learning as opposed to professional development because the emphasis is on the learning, not just it's it's and learning means that it needs to be a process rather than an event. Professional development development is an event. An event. Professional learning means that there's coaching, there's follow up. We're sure that those changes and those philosophies or that skill or strategy is actually being implemented in the classroom. And thus, it's getting to the people who need it the most, the teachers and ultimately the students. Mm -hmm. And who's ultimately responsible for that? Would you say the administrator is responsible for making sure that those practices are implemented? And how, what's that transition look like? Well, yeah, it is the administrator because you want to fit the professional development or the professional learning to what the individual needs and goals are of that school. Um, and, and ultimately, it's, it's the administrator or the PLC who's making the decisions about how that money is spent. Um, I think one of the biggest pitfalls that, that we're seeing in professional training is, um, and I, I go back to the words of Benjamin Franklin, tell me and I'll forget, show me and I may remember, involve me and I learn. Um, one of the biggest pitfalls I see in professional development is that the presenter or the trainer speaks at teachers and tells them what they should be doing, but not how to do it. And as educators and, and folks in the classroom working with students, we don't need philosophy. Um, we need very specific skills and strategies. So um, I, an example, I recently attended a, a conference on the trauma-informed approach. I go to a lot of conferences. When I'm, when I'm in a conference, I always make a habit of going in and looking and listening to other presentations. So I learn more about the topic, but also so I learn more about my profession. And frequently I, I see, and it, it's a good reminder of what we really need to do when we're involved in training people on a new topic skill or, or product. Um, and I just continue to see the, these groups of people that come in and say, teachers, here's, here's the new topic and here's what you need to do. But teachers are left then with, mm -hmm. okay, how do I do it? If we're talking about um, the trauma-informed approach, for instance, if there is a student in the classroom who is what the clinical term is called being dysregulated, meaning that they're they're not in a they're not regulated. They can't be calm and focused. Um, how does a teacher respond to the needs of that student? Because that's what the trainers are telling them to do. You need to keep your students mm -hmm. calm, but how? Mm -hmm. What words do I use? Yeah. What does what, that actually look like in my what setting? What does that look like? Yeah. And. And how do I address that student and communicate with them in a way that isn't 
that I'm not threatening, um, that I'm responding to their needs rather than reacting to their mm -hmm. behaviors. And then what do I do with the rest of the students in the class while I'm trying to deal with uh, this student who is whose behavior is disruptive. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's that how. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of my mentors uh, taught me a long time ago that whenever you're wanting to ask someone to do something uh, and to do it well or to do it different, you always want to talk about three things. What, why, and how. You know, what is this topic? What is this skill? Why is it important? And that's something, that's another pitfall. We frequently forget when we're talking to educators about, here's why we're asking you to do this. Mm -hmm. Teachers, here's why with everything else you have to learn, we're asking you to take this on too. Um, and the why is what's gonna motivate them, the benefit to them or to the students. We don't communicate that well. And then, of course, we also have to explain how do you do it? How, how do you take this information? Here's what it is, here's why it's important, and then how you do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and every good professional training needs to include those three factors, but more often than not, it's just the what. Here's mm -hmm. what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And do you think that a lot of teachers might not give new professional development or new strategies, new topics that are being brought to them in professional development as seriously because in their mind they're thinking, okay, this is what we're doing now, but I know in six months we're not even gonna be doing this anymore, so what's the point? They're just yeah. gonna have me doing something new. And so I think that goes along with the, the how are you gonna do it and how long are we going to do that? Are we committed to this as a district for one year, two years, three years, and then the district actually standing behind that, whether it's a new math curriculum or a reading curriculum or, um, you know, the writing changes or, you know, I can tell you in my district, we went through multiple changes of different curriculums and different styles of teaching students within a couple of years. And I think that's difficult for teachers. It is. It's incredibly difficult for teachers because what's the mission? What's the goal? If it's, if it's, we need to be, changeable and flexible, but we still have to have this common goal. And if, if you're switching curriculum, if you're switching incentive in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and initiatives, RTI was really big a couple of years really ago. Mm -hmm. RTI is dead, yet 64% of our students are still not reading and doing math at grade level. So what happened to RTI? Because that was big. Do you think it was just lack of follow through? People just stopped doing it because no one was paying attention anymore? It was absolutely lack of follow through. Um, and frankly, policy. Schools have to follow the money. Yeah. And um, the, the state set goals and expectations for RTI. And then a couple years later, the state shifted funding from that to the next trend. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's not working to the benefit of our students. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that you said that we talked about a few minutes ago and the change up of curriculum or the change up of professional development or how we want teachers to teach from the top down. And not only do we change it, we change it without any input from the people that are executing it, the teachers. 
So one day I could be teaching in a certain way that I've been taught through professional development, and then six months later, with no input from me, the teacher, the one actually executing this, we're changing it, and now I have to change it up without really having much to do with the conversation about was it working, was it not working, what are we going to change it to and why. It's just told to me, this is what you're going to do now, we're going to give you some PD on it, now you have to go and execute this. And I think maybe that's where the disconnect is as well. I Absolutely. You, know, you think about um, the way we educate our students and we monitor the effectiveness of instruction and we measure the effectiveness of our instruction, but we don't always do that same sort of follow through and coaching and support for teachers. And they, they need to be involved in the process in order to get that buy-in and, and ownership and have that sense of mission. So yeah, the, um, and the, the solution is, again, leadership. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's either a, a school's culture to be inclusive. There's certainly a lot of meetings. Um, there, there need to be opportunities for that sharing. But um, there needs to be consistency to have things stick and to work based on priorities. Mm -hmm. What do you think about all of the online professional development that teachers are being allowed to maybe go off and, look and watch some professional development or attend conferences by themselves. How do you feel? Is that effective or are we sort of wasting our, our money when we're allowing teachers to do those things individually? It can be extremely effective for a couple of reasons. Um, well, first of all, the topic needs to be pertinent. But in, in many ways, online professional development is actually a better way uh, to implement change and skills and new strategies because, again, it's a process, not an event. We know that that, that set and get, come, we've got presenters coming, listen to what they have to say, uh, that one-time event thing, information simply doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. The online professional development is frequently a, an excellent way to provide those skills and strategies, particularly if the content is interactive, if it includes the what, why, and how, if it includes the videos showing the role plays, showing the situational, um, here's how we implement this. And that sort of involvement, going back to what Benjamin Franklin mm -hmm. said, um, you know, we need to see, teachers need to hear. They need to see um, why and how to implement these strategies. And online is frequently the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Very few presenters will go into a school because they tend to sort of talk at teachers. Um, and they're not doing the role plays and showing how it works. But that can be done very well online. Yeah. And the key to online, though, is that uh, whatever system you're using, that the administrator be able to access and, and monitor the activity of the teachers. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a great way we talk about monitoring and follow-up. If training is done online, administrators can look and see how frequently this teacher 
is going online, how many assignments they've completed. Um, in some programs, you can even look at their written responses to know whether or not they are learning, accepting, um, thinking about that. And it's it's a very interactive way to learn. Mm-hmm. I, I actually like it. Yeah. And I would agree with you on that as well, because I can remember, and I, and I you know, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I know there's probably a lot of educators and teachers listening that are going to agree with me and, and understand that when I would be told as an educator that we were going to be doing a day of professional development, mm-hmm. it usually came with an eye roll. And, uh, you know, we're going to waste a whole day sitting and listening to someone talk on yep. and on. Yep. Now, I was hopeful that there might be some bowls of candy on my table. You know, I mean, <laughs> and a good lunch. And a good lunch. <laughs> but, you know, in, in all seriousness, that was really sort of the feeling that I got and a lot of my teammates would get knowing that we were going to be sitting around in another day of pointless professional development. Yeah. So I would agree with you that possibly the online, you have a little bit more ownership. You can do it at your own pace. You can really take in the information. Yeah. And there's so much they can do with video and technology now that make it more interactive than someone just standing and you trying to write notes or watch a, a PowerPoint. Absolutely. You know, um, one of the companies uh, that is actually involved in that online professional development company called Educational Impact um, did research. The, the adage, use it or lose it, um, I really applies to, I think, that concept of professional development versus professional learning of which online is. The, the statistics that educational impact came up with um, was important in terms of use it or lose it. And their research, um, and I, I believe this, I experience this all the time, is that if a, a, whatever training you're doing, whether it's for a, a new product or a new idea or skill or strategy, if it's used immediately after professional development or professional development is ongoing, like online, so that you're continuing to use it, the retention rate is 80%. Mm-hmm. If, on the other hand, um, that information is not used, so if there's no coaching or follow-up or ongoing training or ongoing discussions after 90 days, only 4% of that information is retained. That's significant. And, you know, that really speaks to the importance of and the difference between professional development and professional learning. And I think in many ways that online has the advantage because it's that ongoing process, not an event. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also a way then for administrators to be involved and monitor and, you know, keep this initiative going forward. And it does have to be a culture of learning and trust it in does. your building. Because if it's not, unfortunately, sometimes I feel the administrator is sort of like the person that's just making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it really should be a culture of I'm here to guide you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you learn to better your craft. And we're all doing this together. Well, too often professional development is a checklist. 
um, the state says we need to do this or, you know, we're reading Ed Week and this is a hot topic. So we go out and we find presenters that can come in and talk about this topic. So as an administrator, I can check it off and say, oh, yeah, I'm a trauma-informed school because we had someone come and talk to us about mm-hmm. that once. That doesn't make you trauma-informed or it doesn't make you an, an expert in um, new math skills or new strategies or new curriculum. Um, so, yeah, we need to get away from that checklist. Um, or people just coming in. You know, I remember it's funny that you say that because I'm sitting here remembering the, the PBIS, the positive oh, behavior. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure schools are still doing that. Um, but uh, we would have a team come into our buildings every couple of months and we would be graded on you know what do we have posted outside of our door and we would make sure that you know we knew that they were coming <laughs> right so it was like a checklist it was right. like everyone get your posters up and everyone make sure you know what our five b's are i mean it really seriously was it wasn't i mean we, and we did do a good job at that I'm not saying that we didn't try and we didn't we weren't successful at it but when time came we were scurrying around making sure that all of our boxes were checked before the team came around to but it wasn't a part of what we did on a daily basis we were wanting to make sure we had our boxes and checked. that's the point was anyone checking to make sure that you were actually using those tools or resources or those practices social emotional learning is um and the trauma-informed approach is huge right now it needs to be uh, we absolutely, but this is something that needs to stick. Um, and too often it's still um, checking it off. Mm-hmm. We have violence in school, yeah. So we'll have some people come and talk to us about violence in school. And it's a lot of theory and research. But again, uh, it's it's people talking at teachers and not talking with them and really getting into the what and especially the why and how. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need, we need to go deep. Do you think that the, this epidemic of, of mistakes in professional development causes teacher and administrator burnout because of the fact that they might <laughs> grab onto something that they really love and they think really works, but there's just no follow through and no one else is really doing it and they just get frustrated? I, I have heard from a number of districts recently that they are losing 50% of their teachers, uh, those and the, the newer teachers within the first three to five years. Mm-hmm. 50%, that's huge. That's huge. Um, so, you know, that's saying that teachers are coming into the school districts unprepared with the reality of what classrooms are like. Um, and the reality is that we have classrooms with students who are affected by trauma, um, who aren't reading at grade level, they're not doing math at grade level, um, and the, the lesson plans that they went through and, and uh, you know, they're, they're told they need to do every day can't be done and those teachers are unprepared for the reality. So yes, we're losing a huge amount of talent. Yeah. And if you wanna teach reading, just teach reading. We, you and I talked about yeah, that. We We're did. gonna have another podcast just on how to teach reading. Can we please? Can we please? Because it's incredible all of the stuff that we try to shove into these teachers and these kids when they're just simply trying to teach a child 
how to read. So we're, we are going to talk about that on another podcast. Oh, I would I love promise, to. I promise, because that's oh, a whole other episode. That's, that's a secret passion of mine. Yeah. So, but before we end, I want you to um, tr- tell us a few of the positive things or things that we can do better. What are some some ways that we can improve the way that we currently implement professional development? We need to make uh, professional development interactive, for one thing. Um, we and and we need to get to the actual practices that teachers need in the classroom. Teachers need to leave a professional learning experience feeling a sense of passion or a sense of, wow, I can hardly wait to get to the classroom to try that. Oh, now I know how to speak to Billy. Or next time Billy behaves this way, now I know how to respond to Billy. Um, so we need to be, we need to, as I said, get deep. We need to provide and and really get, give those teachers new skills and new strategies and follow up to make sure that they're being implemented because just hearing about something once doesn't mean that we're going to be able to ad- adapt and absorb and change our behaviors. Mm-hmm. So we also need to provide teachers that ongoing coaching and support. Yeah. Well, Becky, thank you so much. This has been uh, a great conversation. I think it's a needed conversation. And hopefully the, the folks that are listening are getting something out of it and they're relating to what we're saying. I hope so, too. Tell us where we can find you at. Um, my company is Education Technology Partners. Uh, we're located here in St. Louis, but we do um, business throughout the country, though mostly the Midwest. Um, we really focus on um, products and resources that improve teacher effectiveness. Um, so we can be reached at www.edtechpartners.com or by phone at 314-432-0222. And I'd love to talk with educators and really help them um, identify what their needs are and then find the, the proper resources and tools that can help them meet their needs. Well, Becky, thanks for coming in. And this Thank is you. Christy Hull signing off with this episode of Classroom Matters. <laughs>